Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. I'm Ryan Muhammad, she, her pronouns, writer for Becker's Healthcare. Today, we are joined by Dr. Steve Clasco, Daryl Toll of General Catalyst, and Roxana Gapster of Wellspan Health on the seventh episode of the Health Assurance podcast series sponsored by General Catalyst. What will healthcare look like in 2032? And how do we make sure we move toward more health equity and better outcomes? Welcome to General Catalyst's Health Assurance Podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Clasco, a venture capitalist, former healthcare CEO, and an obstetrician. And before all that, maybe most importantly, a DJ. A little more on that later. Our show focuses on where the healthcare sector will be in the year 2032. What are some of the key ideas that will drive that evolution over the next decade? On the Health Assurance Podcast, we focus on solutions, not just problems. And we are looking to tap into the ideas of some of the trailblazing thinkers and executives who have a huge role in actually impacting our path toward a healthier population. We've got a really excellent pair of guests on this Health Assurance Podcast episode. Daryl Toll, the head of General Catalyst Healthcare Ecosystem. And we also have an innovative executive. She's Roxana Gapster the CEO of Wellspan Health. Both of these guests are part of the next wave of healthcare leaders in the United States. And a programming note, I interviewed them separately, even though it might not even seem that way. I kicked off the conversation by leaping forward into the future 10 years and looking back from 2032 to 2022. So let's dive into my healthcare time travel conversation with General Catalyst, Daryl Toll, and his view of the history of the future. All of these podcasts have been really exciting, but in, in many cases, this one, both personally and professionally, for me, is, is one of the most exciting. Daryl, uh, what's amazing about this is, in some respects, what you are creating, uh, leading health assurance partnerships, is really everything that Haymont and I envisioned when we wrote the book. You had this right And then we're going to be talking we're going to be talking to, to one of the partners, uh, Roxana Gasper from uh, Wellspan. And the personal part of this is uh, my last medical school rotation was at her hospital, York Hospital. And it's where I met my wife. Uh, so, uh, so there's a lot of, uh, of small worldness. But the concept of this, Daryl, is that we're sitting here in 2032, looking back on 2022, right? So it's like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Healthcare Galaxy. If you remember... The first piece was don't panic, and there was a lot of panicking in 2022. So, so the first question I want to ask is real simple. You've made so much progress since you've joined in creating these health insurance partners, but we're now sitting here in 2032. So what are you going to laugh about and say, I can't believe this was true in 2022? Um, what are you going to be most proud of that, that you did in 2022, even though it was 10 years ago? And maybe like, what are you going to like cry about and say, God, you know, Looking back, I wish we had done that better. Well, I think the, the, the thing to laugh about, um, without a doubt, is that we relied on a, a doctor's brain alone, <laughs> unaugmented and without a depth of analytical support and AI capability um, that, that we, we, the poor doctors, I mean, they, they had to go in and see patients and think about them for the first time in months and, and make decisions quickly and then move on to somebody else. And, and the poor 
patients. <laughs> they had to they had to realize no one was thinking about them for uh, months until they were back in front of the doctor. And 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 you know, of course, now in 2032, we we have this augmented intelligence where doctors have these great technological resources that are always on and and always analyzing and always giving nudges and feedback loops um, to help provide more and more precise care to their patients. And, and I can't believe we used to do that. So I, I hope to be able to laugh about that, uh, Steve, as we're sitting there in, in 2032, uh, for sure. Um, still very proud, looking back, of, of uh, a, a lot of the work happening. You, you know, I look at the, you remember way back to COVID, right? When COVID was really a big deal way back 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> um, it really did launch some interesting work um, and some realizations, I think, around the power of telehealth, the power of digital health, the power of care at home, and the, the things we could do outside of institutional settings. So yeah, so, so I think you're. I think you're right. I mean, at Jefferson, we call that healthcare at any address to get away from technology. But you know, you know, you mentioned COVID, and and you know, when when I was uh, leading Jefferson during that period, we talked about three things. We talked about radical communication, radical collaboration, and radical concentration on health disparities. So you know, this is an example of radical communication, right? We're 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 getting together. But could you talk a little bit about you know? how the partnerships that you're creating are, are true examples of radical collaboration and maybe radical concentration on the health disparities? Yeah, you think about the, the power of ecosystem in healthcare. There's probably no category of work where, where ecosystem is more important. And, and yet there is this tendency to be over-specialized and over-focused and to work in isolation. So the, the power of true collaboration, radical collaboration that brings health system leaders, physicians, clinicians, uh, business executives together with innovators, the, the early stage game changers. And, and, and when the magic in the middle happens and all of that starts to connect, it's a really powerful thing. There's a sense of healthcare being like a puzzle in a box that just got thrown all over the community. And, and new innovation can feel like just more puzzle pieces. So, if, if that puzzle gets put together, that's magical, but no one entity can do it. It's impossible. That's what that's how I see radical collaboration is we're all picking pieces up, putting them together and saying, oh, that picture is really beautiful. I, I can finally see it. So, so one of the criticisms, Daryl, of, you know, of, of the world that you and I are now in is that, yeah, that's all great. You know, whether that's big tech or small tech or, 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 VCs, but really all that's doing is making the wealthy healthier. You know, I, I think one of the things that's been most exciting to me since my time at GC has been the whole concept of responsible innovation and how do we make sure the population health and health equity are really at the mainstream. But how, how important is that to, to, to your perspective, health assurance partners, and, and maybe give us an example of the kind of thing that you're talking to them about? Um, floating all boats is is really critical um, in this work. Uh, where I used to lead at Advent, uh, we had a our, our tertiary quaternary tower sat across the interstate from a zip code of 25,000 people that had one healthcare provider in it. 
right behind us was a zip code of 25,000 people that had 142 healthcare providers in it. Very different communities, one very wealthy, one community of need. We have got to create access that is trusted and that's effective. And you think about the ability to create access is a bricks and mortar capability, but it's also a digital health capability. It also advances through the adoption of technology and working with companies like CityBlock that have clicks and mortar um, capabilities that can scale both bricks and mortar and digital health. Um, companies like Homeward that are looking at rural communities where there's great need and huge health disparities. Many hospitals have closed, in fact, in rural communities in America. And the opportunities to start creating mobile services and really agile ways that people can access services and, and working with health systems that are trying to link all of that together is powerful. And people who can build trust, too, powerful. Yeah, and I, I do want to. I want to spend a minute talking about that because I want to get into, uh, in, in in just a bit, your relationship with Wellspan because we're going to be talking with Roxana Gasper, uh, the CEO. But you know, um, trust. You, you mentioned that, and everything, every survey that we've done, I've been part of, is that trust is more important than technology. And you know, the the fact is, you know, it's not to be critical necessarily, but it's probably the one thing that big tech has failed in, right? I mean. You know, people did not trust Google or Amazon or, or Microsoft necessarily with all their health data, um, you know, because they just didn't believe that, that, that it was the kind of trust they had in their physician. The only person they trust really is, is their physician or their nurse. So, so let's talk about how important that is. And, you know, maybe, you know, it, we're, we're sitting here in 2032. And you and I know that that's something that GC is really, really, really concentrating on. But what do you see in 2032 as far as not just data, but actionable data? Who owns it? How's it being used? And, and how are we making sure that we're not just selling our data and finding out you know, that advertisers and others have access? To yeah, it? that's the real trust impairment, right? Is when you know your data is being used, you're not part of the circle of, of value created and it's being used to sell or it's being used for commercial reasons. As, as we sit here in 2032, um, data is owned by consumers. Medical records are owned by consumers. When data is used, I've given them permission and I know why it's being used. And I may even get some benefit from the use of my data. I may have a tangible impact um, that, that, that comes out of the use of my data and I can see how it impacts my care and creates a greater precision in my care process. Um, and, and or advances knowledge in medicine because it's being used effectively. Now that builds trust because it's transparent and I'm part of the circle. A short break. Then how do we get from today's fragmented and confusing world of healthcare and what might a reimagined future actually look like? More of my conversation with Daryl Toll when we return on the other side of the break. So please stay with us. General Catalyst, investing in powerful, positive change that endures. Check out this book from General Catalyst CEO and Managing Director Hemant Taneja. Unhealthcare, a manifesto for health assurance at Amazon or wherever you purchase your books.
Welcome back to General Catalyst Health Assurance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Clasco. So let's get right back into the mix with Daryl Toll and his insights on what the future digital healthcare world might actually look like. Okay, so Daryl, um, first of all, I want to make sure that we get the song in here. The two songs that I've chosen uh, for you, uh, one is, one is well, they're both sort of old school. One is uh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, It Takes Two, right? Because the whole concept of GC can't just do this by themselves, the hospital can't do this by themselves. And the other one, uh, which I'm sure as we get into this sort of consortium of the willing or, you know, partnerships, is, uh, is a Phil Collins song, uh, Different Worlds. Because we couldn't be more different worlds as far as how we make our revenue, how we act. And I do want to get into a little bit of maybe have some fun because we both literally, literally taken a rocket ship from, you know, pretty conservative organizations, in your case, Advent, in my case, Jefferson, to, to, to GC. And it'll be interesting to have people sort of hear like, okay, what, what, you know, what did you learn? But, but I, I want to really concentrate because I'm going to be talking to Roxana Gasper in, in just a little bit. We're in, we're in 2032. Okay. So, you know, they signed on as one of the first tier one partners of the, the first group. What's changed for Wellspan? What's happening for Wellspan in 2032 because of this tier one partnership that they probably wouldn't have been able to say if they hadn't done this? The adoption of uh, techniques around um, data to insight has led to a better understanding of the communities around them and has really leveled access through combining digital and physical assets around the footprint of Wellspan. In fact, Wellspan has grown as a result of understanding their community better. Wellspan community members have to travel outside of their community less often to go to larger facilities with with additional services because of the growth of capabilities and the impact of precision medicine and the ability to personalize care and to do it closer to home or at home uh, have really transformed uh, Wellspan. In fact, have been able to have led to the recruitment of more specialists and and more physicians who now have a team surrounding them uh, impacting their care. What I'm hearing you say is, you know, back in 2022, we thought that sort of precision medicine or the focus on the individual and population health were two separate things. But thanks to Wellspan and GC getting together for at least the people in that area, central Pennsylvania, precision medicine and population health are exactly the same thing because you're basically not taking a cannon. You're taking a laser uh, and 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 really solving either a population's problems or an individual's problem. Is that is that sort of fair uh, characterization? Uh, it's so good. It's so good. I love that characterization. It's it's health assurance, right? It's population health. It's health. It's the whole thing, and it is more precise. A population is just a collection of precise needs of individuals understood at scale. And that's what we've been able to build, and that's what technology um, puts in our hands. And 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 Steve, you're a physician, I'm not, but you've got to be excited about the the power in the physician's hands that comes when data, clinical data, comes to life instead of sitting in black boxes and starts to really drive these kind of changes. 
Yeah, well, you know, I, and I don't know if you know this, Daryl, but a good part of my uh, research life it was based on a almost million-dollar grant that I got to look at what makes doctors different than depending on the audience, either other people or normal people, and how we handle change. And the truth is that um, um, we do really well in change when it's our idea. Um, we don't do so well when it's somebody else's idea. So I think in, in some respects, the beautiful thing about the health assurance partnerships is because we're actually getting them getting together, you know, it becomes their idea because they're helping in some respects, they're helping us at GC to co-develop, right? We're sitting there, you know, whether it's in, you know, Palo Alto or Boston or London or whatever, and we have brilliant, brilliant, brilliant software engineers. And then we have people like, you know, myself and 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 Ron Paulus and 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 you and you know, we can sort of interpret those different languages. But when you actually have a, a, a tier one partner, right, the doctors are actually there helping, let's say, Ron Paulus understand what it means for hospital at home to their patients. And that's going to help GC create better products. Is that a fair two-way description? Oh, man, it's so good. And uh, someone once told me, you don't need the whole population. You don't need the whole N to change the world. You need the square root of N. You need the square root of the population. So what we're really trying to do is get these groups of people that are intent on driving change, physicians, nurses, executives, administrators, executives and residents, venture capitalists, investors, innovators, to, to smaller groupings of those brilliant, amazing people coming together and starting to light sparks and create ripples that drive change more and more broadly. And that kind of excitement, I've seen it take hold. I've seen it take hold in organizations when Steve, a few doctors get excited about something that can just roll when that happens. And and we want to create that through these partnerships. You know, it's funny when I started at Jefferson, um, you know, we 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 were in a very competitive area. Right. It was, you know, Penn and Temple. And, you know, the when I first got there, I was sort of an unlikely you know CEO for a conservative academic medical center for many reasons, and and you know their whole thing was give us more money to get closer to you know our competitors and NIH funding and 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 you know a U.S. News and World Report, and I remember saying um, this is an audio podcast, so this probably won't be quite as uh, as as funny, but I said um, look if that's what you want me to do, it'd be like if the search committee said um, the most important criteria are height and hair. Um, five seven without a whole lot of hair so so um but but the the reason i'm saying that is you know we literally took i, I hate to use a brand but we we took almost an apple approach of recognizing that that hospitalizations and 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 the clinical care we give at some point the, the actual hospitalization is going to become a commodity what's not going to become a commodity is the care and caring that defines us at any address so so how, I'd be interested in, as you've had these conversations, and, you know, I, I've gotten to, you know, been fortunate enough to be part of some of them. Sebastian threw in it at one of the panels and said, the problem in American healthcare isn't that we aim too high and fail. It's that we aim too low and exactly hit the mark. So if you think about the next 10 years, how are you helping some of those conservative organizations with a lot more lawyers and entrepreneurs and a lot of, you know, sort of folks that, and doctors that have said, no, this is how I've always done it. How are you helping them sort of change that mindset and feel good about an optimistic future? It's really important because the, the, these heavily um, regulated uh, risk averse industries like healthcare, for good reason, include many, 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 many people with 
feet on the brake pedals. Um, in fact, hired to keep both feet on the brake pedals in many cases and who interpret their job that way. So leaders, physicians, who want to drive change in the, these organizations um, may push the gas hard, but but there's this fight against yourself as you do that. And then your viewfinder gets more and more limited because every effort is so hard that, that you, you have to narrow your view. So what I hope we can do, that was a long preamble, but I really hope that we can actually blow the viewfinder open create a little bit more relaxation to say some feet can come off the brakes. The vehicle can function a little bit more smoothly and start to accelerate because we're bringing insight. We're bringing legal, responsible, capable solutions that are safe to implement in healthcare and that can drive change either incrementally or sometimes dramatically, immediately upon implementation. And just to raise the roof, just to raise the ceiling on these ideas so that they can come to life. Well, you know, it, it, what, what's fascinating to me, we spent, we spent time talking about how the traditional healthcare ecosystem, especially in the provider world, needs to change and, and, and how some of the GC health assurance partnerships might, might help that happen. And I think in some respects, the fact that we're so hurting as hospitals and health systems and been downgraded, almost any idea that creates an optimistic sort of view is going to help. What's interesting about where we're sitting today when this podcast is getting aired, if we had done this a year ago, you would have said, yeah, boy, really terrible for those traditional healthcare ecosystems. But we're sitting in the VC world where all you got to do is put A&I in your title and you've got a couple of billion dollar company. Well, that's changed, right? I mean, you know, the, the whole issue of, you know, needing to be, I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this are founders and others, and, you know, I don't have to tell them, but it's not, it's not easy. And, and so, you know, I found that some of our value, you know, people like you and I, and, and some of the other folks that have come from, from the system of GC is able to really have those folks understand what it takes to create a sustainable company you know, I, I always kid around. I say, tell me when you're relevant, because a lot of our amazing, amazing founders and, and software engineers come from Stanford and MIT. And, you know, you know, tell me when you're relevant for that three hospital system in Ohio. You know, <laughs> and, you know, hopefully, hopefully they know where Ohio is. But I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's how, how do you become relevant for everyone? Right. So 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 give me. So as you come back, I'm looking at this as a closed loop as you go and talk to a wellspan. And meet with those docs. I assume then you'll go back and say, "Hey guys, you know, uh, you know, Maribel or Homeward or Tendo uh, or Sondermind. Um, let me tell you how the docs are viewing this. You know, and and whether or not that needs to change some of what you're doing. Does that does that make sense? It's it's a two way street. Yeah, it's a feedback loop. It, 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 we have the opportunity to work with health systems that represent almost every type of health system in America. And then to bring insight from that to founders and innovators, and also to bring insight from the founders and innovators back to the health systems, and then bring the health systems together to talk to each other. So we have all these great feedback loops that are part of advancing and 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 creating transformation. So I want to I want to ask one final question, and that is, you know, there's going to be a lot of people there saying, you know, okay, um, I get it, you know, you're a venture capital group, you're doing some digital solutions, that's cool. But but, a what are you looking for in a partner? I mean, this is I met my wife on Match.com, 
you know, and most of, most of what I told was the truth, although I think my, my picture <laughs> did have my, my cat backwards shooting a basketball, which is not what I do every day. But but the fact is, you know, what are you telling folks, you know, of this is what we're looking for, right? Because it's not like, you know, it's just, oh, yeah, sure, join our system. And then, you know, say, okay, I get what you're looking for. Um, but, you know, why, why, what really is different than you? I could, I'm sure I could go and call another VC firm tomorrow and say, we'd like to buy some of your products. So try to help me both ways of, of like, to, like a match.com. What's the ideal partner, uh, both ways? The ideal partner has an engaged CEO like Roxana Gapster. <laughs> the ideal partner has a, uh, a change orientation, um, a board that wants to support the executive team in driving change um, and investing in that change, um, a, as an organization that is economically stable enough, hard times, but economically stable enough to have oxygen to, to drive change and transform, and um, an organization that represents a different slice of America and the healthcare challenge that we face. Those, those are important on that side. The health systems should see in us experienced healthcare executives who are working with founders and who understand their life and their office and how that feels, but can also bring that looking around the curve that we do as a venture firm all the time and, and then creating the sweet spot in the middle. It really is differentiated. And our thought leadership around health assurance and the, the writing you've done with Haymont and the, the other efforts that we make are deeply differentiated from anyone else in the space. All right, so maybe the most important question. We're, we're actually sitting here in 2032. I'm Stevie K, the DJ, and uh, we're sitting here in my studio, and we've had this great interview, and now I need to play a song. So, Daryl, you know, what, what song, you know, it can be an oldie. I mean, you know, we, you know, we go back, everything is obviously streamed now here in 2032. It could be 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 1000s, 10s, 20s, 30s, whatever you want. Um, what song are you playing? Okay. I almost went with We Gotta Get Out of This Place by the Animals because I love that song. But I, I instead, instead, I went a little more sentimental uh, with Waiting on the World to Change, John Mayer. It's more recent. I love it. It's a great song, and I think it represents our work well. Yeah, and and um, and I think that album was called Continuum. So maybe that's a there that, you go that's, exactly. That's, uh, that's probably a very good, very good thing. So Daryl, this is great, and you know it's great to have you know as part of this podcast both you, and then we'll be talking to Roxana, and, and also so it'll be really sort of putting putting both of these together. Thank you very much, Daryl, and and great work. Thank you. You heard from Daryl Toll how he's working with healthcare CEOs. Up next, we'll shift focus and bring you our interview with one of them, Roxana Gapster of Wellspan Health. You really won't want to miss that. This is the General Catalyst Health Assurance Podcast. We'll be back in a moment. General Catalyst Health Assurance Podcast is brought to you by Becker's Healthcare. Becker's offers a suite of niche products from every area of the healthcare industry landscape. Stream episodes that feature interviews and conversations on healthcare's most pressing issues from the thought leaders who are tackling them every day. Welcome back to General Catalyst Health Assurance Podcast. 
I'm Dr. Steve Glasgow. We're going to shift gears now to our chat with Roxana Gapster of Wellspan Health. She runs one of the largest integrated healthcare systems in South Central Pennsylvania. So she's really living, breathing, and dealing with the realities of running an integrated health company. So let's dive into our conversation. Well, Roxana, this is really exciting for me uh, to be with you both personally and professionally. First of all, sort of cool because um, as one of the premier health assurance partners, we, we just got done uh, speaking with uh, Daryl Toll, who's part of this, this whole segment. So we heard what he said. So it's going to be a little bit family feudish, right? We'll get to see uh, what matches up. And I, I really have no idea, and nor do our listeners. But there's a personal aspect of this um, in, the, in the small world department. Um, uh, 40, 45 years ago or so, uh, my last rotation in medical school, uh, uh, I was supposed to go to New York City and my mentor got ill. So I had to make a last minute decision and went to York Hospital, which is one of uh, Wellspan's, uh, one of Wellspan's hospitals. Um, met two interesting people there. Uh, my wife, uh, um, that, that I was married for 19 years. And, uh, also this guy named Tom Wolf. Uh, who I bought some furniture from, uh, who ended up becoming the governor of Pennsylvania. So, um, so Wellspan uh, is uh, is a very important part of, uh, of of my life, and I think it also really exemplifies the health insurance partnerships. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we talk about places like Jefferson and HCA and Intermountain, and I think Wellspan uh, really uh, adds that classic community academic in some cases, rural type system um, that is so important in this country. So um, the concept of this, and we'll have fun, is uh, we're sitting here in 2032. Uh, um, I'm uh, Stevie K, the DJ, and uh, and we're um, the song that I've chosen for you is uh, Courage to Change by Sia, uh, because clearly Wellspan has gone through a lot of changes, and I think the Health Assurance Partnership is one of them. But so we're sitting here in 2032, and my first question is, um, what are you laughing about uh, that that everyone just didn't see coming in 2022, now that you're sitting here in 2032? Uh, what are you sort of crying about and say, God, if only I had known this in 2022? And then finally, what are you most proud of that you actually did in 2022 um, that you're looking back and say, hey, that was, that was darn good? Wow, great question, Steve. And I hope you're enjoying your DJ-ism here in 2032, because I could totally see you doing that. Uh, so first of all, what would we cry about? Well, I think we've talked about this before, but we have so much at our fingertips, even in 2022, in terms of technology and approaches. And what I would cry about is that we hadn't maybe taken the time to put all those great things together in a way that would have really helped us, A, during the pandemic, but then B, in the years to come. So looking back, just kind of going, gosh, we had a lot uh, and maybe we didn't quite uh, put all the pieces together. What I would cry about, um, you know, certainly we've weathered a, a really tough time the last few years with the pandemic and just the, the loss of life and the changes that have come about because of that. Um, and the real, the tragedy really of the health equity piece of the pandemic 
uh, for many individuals uh, is probably what I would cry about. What I'd be most proud of is really how integrated delivery systems have really come into their own during this pandemic. We have provided the backbone of public health and many other services uh, without really missing a beat in many cases. Not that it wasn't really, really hard as we look back at 2022. However, I think it really proved the value of integrated delivery systems and what we can do with all the capabilities that we've earned over the years. Yeah, so so let's, let's talk about that. So in some respects, um, what came out of the pandemic was, and you were a good example of it, you know, what we like to call a general catalyst, radical collaboration. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I know, I know, because I know what you've done with Allspire. And as you know, I, you know, I was the chair of obstetrics at, at, at that time, Allentown Hospital. Now we have Valley Health Network. You partner with them. But um, has has that ability to radically collaborate uh, continued over this time past the pandemic and let's say into the next 10 years into 2032? Yeah, it absolutely has. I think the pandemic really proved out that maybe no one healthcare system has every single capability it needs. And so looking at what kind of partners you need, what kind of radical collaboration is out there, how can you accelerate your own strategy and serve your communities even better by making sure that you think about the partners uh, that you have. And honestly, you know, one of the reasons we're with General Catalyst and are so excited about your work is is that very reason. What kind of unique individual uh, partner could really accelerate our work in the um, health assurance space and the digital space? Yeah, so, so, you know, it's sort of, it's fun for me to talk to you and some of our other partners because, you know, uh, Heyman and I uh, wrote the book on healthcare a manifesto for health assurance. Really, you know, came up with that term, and you know, it was it was a whiteboard session. I mean, it was based on some of the work we were doing with uh, General Catalyst and Jefferson at that time. Um, but it's sort of fun. It's almost like if you come written a book and and now somebody's done the movie. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting to see the movie. So so you know, I I, I know what 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 Daryl feels he's looking for in um, in partners. And and we talked about that a little bit with him. And 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 you're a great example of of starting with the CEO and 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 willing to take those chances. But what were you looking for? In, in 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 sort of a very different kind of creative partnership that that attracted you to General Catalyst. Well, I think a couple of the things that we were looking for, Steve, was really how how do we transform our organization to become more focused on how we keep people st- how we keep people well, how we help them stay well, how we help them live the life they really want to live, and with that bending the cost curve is really important to us. We have a a strong strategy on affordability here at Wellspan. Uh, And then the accessibility for all is just a huge part of who we are. And so making sure um, as part of that health assurance model that we've designed care for all is is the, the other piece that really, I think, strikes at the heart of our mission and perhaps many others as well. So we're very excited to have this opportunity to be with like-minded partners, people who will challenge us, people who can innovate and think outside the box. What a great opportunity to do that with others uh, and not be insular and just thinking, you know, within our own uh, organization. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that really um, hit me 
about what you've been able to do, um, Roxana, and and I think it's really one of the ingredients we believe at, at General Catalyst for success in any of these kind of creative partnerships is you've really involved your board, right? I mean, I know that because yeah. you know I'm, I'm speaking to them, and um, um, it, it it's probably not something that we thought at the beginning was as important as it is, but you know, just you know, just like. The Jefferson's thing started with me, but, you know, I'm not there. You know, at some point, you know, there'll be another CEO of Wellspan someday. And having the board involved really, I think, becomes the secret sauce, right? Because they represent the community. And so this now becomes more than just a Roxana and Wellspan relationship with GC. It's really the entire Wellspan community and the communities you serve. Is that is that something you consciously did or or it just something that kind of relationship you have with your board? You know, I think a little bit of both, Steve. I, I always think the board should be out there leading strategy and, and thinking about the future. You know, our board is very future oriented. They're always thinking next five to 10 years, what should we be doing? Uh, you know, the day-to-day operations is really our job in management. And I think uh, we do a good job at that. I give my board credit because since since I've arrived, we've near, we've just been facing challenge after challenge with the pandemic, and yet they've still found that time to be future oriented. So I think it's critical for people to not only engage their boards, but allow the board to help lead. They really have that consumer perspective as well as a variety of perspectives from other industries. And I'm also a big proponent of learning from other industries. In fact, one of the one of the questions I asked Haymont when we first met with him was, you know, I know you have a lot of other companies under the general catalyst portfolio. Might some of those help us solve the problems in healthcare? Yeah. And and one of the things that I've always enjoyed um speaking with you is um you you tend to not talk as much internally but talk about your community and the people and you know it, it's interesting because um when i first met Haymont, we had this dinner with a lot of the sort of you know the the, the innovation places in, in the country and and i was fortunate enough to be part of that and what was interesting about my post meeting with Haymont, we had we had a cup of coffee and it was like Steve, you know, everybody else was talking about their hospital or their health system. And you were talking about the 97% of people in Philadelphia that don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm a patient. They say, I'm a person that might have diabetes, cancer, congestive heart failure, whatever, but I don't want to have to think like a patient. I don't want to have to think about office ER. So it seems like Wellspans looked at things that way also, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, anybody would rather be a person than a patient, I think. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, you know, as we think about our communities, we're so deeply rooted there on the health side of our communities. We are responsible for all the healthy coalitions in each of our counties. We have people deeply engaged there. And and there's nothing that we don't do either with our board or our management team where we ask, you know, is this how I'd want my family to be treated? Is this is this how I'd want to support my family to be healthier uh, in our community? So, Absolutely. That's the case, Steve. And I think that's the lens that we'll continue to apply as we work with General Catalyst. Right. Well, Roxanne, it's so, you know, I think um, the good news is the family feud has worked out pretty well because um, um, <laughs> uh, you and you and Daryl uh, uh, and I all seem to be on, on the same page. And I think that that's uh, that's exactly what, what we'd expect. But I, I, I really want to um, concentrate on what I think in some respects is a good part of the reason that that I went over from from the traditional healthcare ecosystem over to to working with General Catalyst, and that is, 
How do we make sure that population health, social determinants, health equity, and predictive analytics move from the philosophic and academic to the mainstream of clinical care, payment models, and even medical education, right? I mean, believe it or not, like we still get grants to determine if there's a 20-year difference in, in life expectancy in York or 22-year difference. And I think what we're trying to do with folks like you is, who cares? We know there's a difference. Let's start treating it. So so if you're thinking about 2032, what, what kind of magic wand things would you want to start doing with General Catalyst where technology and, and, and those kind of resources could start to, to help you uh, achieve that goal of healthcare for all? Well, I think one of the you know buzzwords that's around Steve is really that word ecosystem. But I would think of this uh, general catalyst relationship as an opportunity to use the WellSpan platform and develop sort of an ecosystem of care that surrounds every patient, every community member that they could reach out and touch as they needed to. Um, you know, I've been always fascinated by Clayton Christensen's jobs to be done innovation theory, and maybe it's because I was a busy mom with four young daughters, but you know, I had jobs to be done. And those um, those areas of and brands that could help me get my job done, that was easy, quick, convenient, but also high quality and really had personalization as part of the touch. That That's what I would see. I think we have such an amazing opportunity with everything that we have in 2032 to completely personalize this whole thing so that people really feel like they're getting exactly what they need when they need it, whether it's health and wellness or whether it's sick care. You know, I'm so glad you brought up that that book. I had a chance to interview Clayton uh, before he died. And the book you're talking about is called Competing Against Luck. Yes. And uh, for for any of you the, that are listening that, have, that haven't read that book, the, the classic example he gave, if you remember, was the milkshake example that, you yes. know, that, that, that the fast food places weren't selling milkshakes and they kept bringing milkshake experts to make it thick or whatever. And he talked about what, what people didn't realize the job to be done was that most people were, were getting milkshakes because they had a 20 or 30 minute commute, you know, and they wanted something that wouldn't spill over them that would take about 20 minutes. So making it easy for them to get and, and, you know, being in a, in a kind of thing, it wasn't really the quality of the milkshake. I think, I think the, the, it's so great that you're bringing that up because the example for us is our job to be done is does not end when people come to our hospital. At Jefferson, we call that healthcare at any address. You know, I think you know you you correctly call it, you know hey your job is to make sure starting at home that 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 people in your area are getting that care. Now, you know a lot of your a lot of your um you, your community is rural. Right. I mean, or at least, you know, it, it's partly, as I understand it, partly suburban, you know, and part of parts of it or 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 rural. How are you thinking about that? How are you thinking about the people that might not have, you know, broadband or or might not have some of the resources? How how are you thinking that we can help potentially get some of the care out to, to those folks? Yeah, that's a great question, Steve. In fact, in rural Pennsylvania, that is a big issue. Uh, we've recently just passed some legislation now in our state that's going to expand our broadband, and we've even got funding for it as well. So it's it's really exciting to see that come to fruition. Right now, what we're doing is we're sometimes providing that service, um, including the iPads and everything that people need in order to connect up. 
you know, I think in 2032, I'm hoping that we'll have a really seamless way of approaching that kind of challenge, which, you know, is, you know, we've got what uh, many years here between now and 2032, a decade. Um, I'm hoping that we have much more seamless ways by then um, to do that work. Right now, we're doing it pretty manually by identifying patients, either putting in um, Wi-Fi if they do have access to broadband or finding a location where they can access that. Um, you know, it's or looking for technology that doesn't totally rely on that, that maybe can use cellular or something. But it's a it's a tough problem and one that we think is um, creates a barrier to equal care. I'd like to talk about another barrier, and it's something that we talked about in the book, and and I know it's something that is uh, on your mind, and that's probably one of the biggest chasms in healthcare that that separation between you know mental or brain health and and physical health. I mean, I I think in the book we sort of laughed and said we got to stop calling it a physical. It's sort of like you know like okay, the only thing that matters is from my neck down, right? It, it, like we you know even the words that we use. Um, so you know. How, how can we start, you know, and at General Catalyst, we have companies like Gallinor Health and City Block and Sondermine that are that are dealing with that. But, you know, how are you viewing um, Wellspan's role in really starting to um, have folks understand that the brain and, and the body are, are, are pretty connected, right? They're all connected. Yeah. Well, you probably know, Steve, we, we have a large part of our organization is a behavioral health uh, organization that we acquired probably five years ago. It was called Philhaven, um, now Wellspan Philhaven. Uh, it's, it's one of the largest in the U.S., I'm sure, in the top 20 in terms of capabilities. We have more than 55 different outpatient programs and over 200 inpatient beds. And one of the things that we've done with our primary care teams is we've developed something called shared care, which is where each primary care clinic um, and or our virtual primary care platform has a shared care team. Uh, that is immediately available through either messaging or reaching out to psychiatrists, psychologists, whoever's on that particular team. And that way, our clinicians have a chance to work with the same team uh, for their patient panel and really connect on important behavioral health um, concerns right during a visit. We also have some clinics where we piloted having people on site, you know, uh, but to your point, you know, if we're talking about healthcare with no address, we have to be flexible enough that this can all happen in asynchronous and remote fashion. And, you know, I think one of the, um, one of the interesting things is I think a lot of times, and I think you'll get this, you know, uh, now that you've, you know, partnered with us as well, you know, it's not all about technology. And I think one, one of the, um, points I've made is, you know, yeah, it, online will meet offline, but it really is about the human in the middle. My, my car gets better care than I do because it's sending continuous signals like, at, you know, at night. And when I turn it on, it says, hey, Steve, while you were sleeping, you know, my, um, you know, my right front passenger tire got a little low. Could you fill it up? It's not quite that conversational, but close. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, so I think one of the things that I think will be important, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, is if we do this right, the the, fo the, the, the folks that are part of the WellSpan communities will have more technology at home so that when they see their doctor or their nurse, we can do more of the human stuff and not spend 14 of the 15 minutes 
like weighing them when you could do that at home on a scale and, and have that then, or, you know, checking their blood pressure when that should be continuous. So how do you view that so, sort of whole human and technology thing as you join this sort of very technology-driven uh, ecos- ecosystem? Well, I like to think about it as a people-first strategy. So thinking about the people, thinking about what the people need, and then using technology to support that. You know, we're doing some of that these days, Steve, as you know. We have uh, we have an online primary care program here at Wellspan. We call it Duo. Um, I belong to it because I decided I should be one of the forward thinkers in our employee group to do that. And with that is exactly what you just said. I do all of my own, my weights, my blood pressures and stuff. I enter those in and my doctor reviews those and he might send me a note back, but it's a lot of asynchronous pieces. And when I am, when I have a visit with him, we don't need to talk about those things necessarily, unless there's a problem. He'll say, oh, I reviewed all your stuff. Hey, looks great. Here's what we need to talk about today. So you're right. We're not taking 15 minutes to weigh me. We're really, we're really looking at me as a person. So, so. I want to take that to the next level because um, for a long time, um, I felt that trust is a lot more important than technology. And part of the rub of what you just talked about of, you know, whether it's you or I and becoming like our cars and sending continuous data is really trusting of what happens to that data. And, you know, everything we've seen is people trust their doctor, people trust their nurse, they don't necessarily trust their insurance company. They don't necessarily, you know, trust Google or Amazon. <laughs> so, so you know, day to day, everybody, everybody in in 2022 was talking about data, you know, but it's really actionable data, and it's also, you know, data and trust. So here now that we're in 2032, what have we done around data? Like, what's the ideal model where I can know that that my data is constantly going there? But it's not going to get sold to you know to to somebody, and and that Wellspan is working with GC, but doing the same kind of protection of the doctor-patient relationship. How, how how do you see all of that coming together? And by the way, if you have a real answer for that, like we should probably hire you as the CEO of one of our companies because <laughs> that's a really tough question. It is a really tough question. Well, my sense is that we've always said uh, the patient or the person owns their healthcare data, right? So there may be some um, some way to to allow patients and persons to give permission for where they want their data to be shared. You know, having that. Yeah, I want you to have my ecosystem in place and I want you to monitor everything about me, but we own this data together. You know, I, I'm a person who gets to control my data. So that's just an off, off the cuff answer, Steve. No. And, and I think it's consistent. We've been working together and I, I've been part of this of, you know, what if we took all that great technology that's out there in the crypto world with blockchain? And then what if we literally create it where, you know, tokenization, there's something called DAO, DAO, where, where patients can not only control their data, but if if uh, if if you like, I have a high rheumatoid factor, but I don't have rheumatoid arthritis. If there's somebody that wants to do a study like that, and I'm willing to be part of it, I would I would consent. And then maybe I get tokens. Like my son's an actor, and every time one of his commercials gets on, you know, he he has a little app that says, "Oh, your commercial was on." It would be the same kind of thing. So it's exactly what what you were saying. So I I have sort of one final question. I think it's really um, it's really interesting, and I think it'll be important as as you start to um, effectualize the GC relationship. 
Sebastian Thrun, who, who was one of the Google X people, said the problem in American healthcare isn't that we aim too high and fail. So we aim too low and exactly hit the mark. Yeah. So how how so this is CEO driven, just like it was at Jefferson, this relationship with GC, which is really how it has to start. Your board's involved. But you have a lot of people working for you. And my guess is, unless you've really done something Harry Potter-ish, you know, there's a fair amount of bureaucracy and a fair amount of folks that, you know, said this is how we've always done it. And you've brought a lot of systems together with different cultures. So how do you how do you sort of create that environment where where you can be nimble, flexible, and entrepreneurial enough to 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 really, you know, be an appropriate partner, just like just like um, uh, Haymont and the team and Daryl and I have to think on the VC world, how do we really make sure we're mission-driven like the traditional healthcare nonprofits are? Yeah, that, well, that's a really great question. Uh, nope, I wouldn't say we're Harry Potterish. I would say, though, that as we've thought about innovation, we know things can get caught up in the bureaucracy of healthcare. We've set up our WellSpan innovations as a completely separate part of the organization that is run by separate people has separate um, leaders. However, they integrate with parts of our organization as we as we innovate. So, um, so that's kind of how we've done it, Steve. I and that I sit on that council every single month. So I've taken the CEO time and attention units as as we believe that that's such a critical part of our transformation to make sure that we are driving for results quickly. And then I would just give a nod to the pandemic as a silver lining. It taught us that we really can do things quickly and more nimbly if we really want to. And wow, is that's such an important message. And for any of you listening that are a founder and looking to partner with the health system or, or, or in a health system as a CIO or CTO, what you just said, Roxana, I think is is the secret sauce. I mean, I, a lot of times I'll go to folks and you know and and see you and say we're all about innovation, you know, and I'll go great, you know. So you know, if you're all about innovation, the person who runs innovation must really report to you, or be, oh no, they report to somebody, reports to somebody, reports to somebody, reports to the dean, and I don't really ever talk to them. So you're not really all about innovation because you know. So the <laughs> fact that you meet with those folks and that they know they have a direct communication line to you, I think is probably one of the most important things. And that's something that if you're a, a founder partnering with health system and you want it to work, make sure that's happening. And if you're a health system that really wants to be known for innovation, you know, listen to Roxana. So, okay. So now, now we're going to get to the important part. It's, it's, it's 32, 2032. I'm now Stevie K the DJ and you're sitting in my studio and we've had this great conversation looking back uh, to 2022, but now I'm saying, Hey, you know, people want to hear some music, Roxana. So, um, so what song you can play? It could be a 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010s, 2020s, or even 2030 song uh, that you're playing. Well, the song I'd be playing, this is a song I hope that we're playing now, Steve, is, uh, is We Are the Champions. I mean, Amen. come on, right? We've solved all of healthcare's problems. It's it's Nirvana now. It's 2032. We're using all our data. We have an equitable health system. We We've we're paying attention to people's health and wellness as, re as well as when they're sick. So that's, that's the song I hope we're singing. And if you remember that, that was, you know, we are the champions of the world. So it would be great. <laughs> it would be great because we always say we have the best healthcare system in the world. And since I spend a lot of time in the world, not everybody agrees with that based on public health parameters. So it would be, it's a great song because if people could be coming to us, 
because we've been able to fix our broken, fragmented, expensive, and inequitable healthcare system and made it the kind of thing that, that the top 10 or 15% of the people in this country get for all. And it started with the kind of relationships between WellSpan and GC. Then I think uh, even Freddie Mercury, wherever he is, would say, yeah, you are the champions of the world. So, um, so hey, Roxana, thank you so much for this. And and by the way, you did good. You were right on tune with Daryl. Um, and uh, and I can see that this relationship is going to be a really, really melodious one. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Steve. I was delighted to be here. That concludes this episode of General Catalyst Health Assurance Podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Clasco. I really hope you'll join us for our next episode. That's where we'll zero in on one of the key minds in health assurance. Actually, my boss at General Catalyst, CEO Hey Montanasia. You know, we wrote a book together that really started the whole health assurance movement. And Heymont has written more than one. So you really, 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 that three reallys don't want to miss it. Thanks so much for joining us on General Catalyst Health Assurance Podcast.